You're listening to 06 Answers, where every week we interview a different member from the West Point class of 2006. When you ask 06 questions, you'll get 06 Answers. Welcome everyone to the 06 Answers podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wang. Joining me here on today's episode is Jason Norwood. He is currently based out of Georgetown, Texas, originally from Morristown, New Jersey. E1 as a plebe and G2 as an upperclassman. Jason, I want to thank you for joining today's show. How are you doing today, my man? Doing pretty good, man. Thanks for the opportunity. No, thank you for the opportunity for letting our audience hear your story. You know, when we caught up earlier, I was telling you about how we went through our class Facebook group to find potential guests for this podcast. And I remember seeing this high-speed poster for a mixed martial arts fight that featured your profile. I immediately thought, I got to get Jason on the show. So, so can you tell our audience a little bit more about that? Well, I guess I'm a retired fighter now because the fight that I was supposed to take before I took this job, it would have been fight 25, and that was about when I wanted to retire anyway, but it fell through. Funny enough, because the guy I was going to fight, I actually fought before, fought John Kirk in Bellator. I was going to fight him again, but he couldn't get a fighter's license. So that whole thing fell through. I was going to take that in November, and then I started this job coaching wrestling for Georgetown High School. And I haven't really had time to focus on me to train, so it is what it is. But um, fighting, yeah, fighting was a, a really large part of my life, particularly because after school, I went to All-Army Wrestling, and All-Army Wrestling gave me the opportunity to train at the training center with some dudes, and I was really, like, wrestling was it for me. That was it. I was so focused on that, and then kind of got screwed into, like, like we talked about a little bit before, like, every, it, it seems that every turn in my life, I'm getting screwed over, and it winds up being something better, but in the immediate, it's awful. Right. And so in the immediate was I was getting pulled from all army wrestling because we were going to go on a deployment. And I was like, I got it. You know, I joined the army with the understanding we would deploy, blah, 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 blah. Then I'll never forget. I'm sitting in my battalion commander's office and he's like, oh, no, no, no. Charlie battery out there is deploying. I was an alpha battery. You know, we plussed up Charlie. We don't need you. But since there's a battery from the battalion deploying, I decided to pull you back from all army because, you know, it's time for you to be a lieutenant. And I had cut down to 163. I was, you know, primed and ready to go. That was 2007. The Olympic quadrennial was 2008. Like I was, you know, I, I was really trying to do some stuff. And I remember saluting him and just trying to hold myself from not jumping over the desk and strangling him to death for destroying oh my, my dream. Yeah. And so I, I stepped out and like I, I, I paced and you know, I was so I was so pissed off. And my girlfriend at the time, she was my fiance by then, actually, now my wife, um, was like, hey, you know, she was big into MMA. I was not at the time. I didn't like MMA at all. I'd done martial arts as a kid. And then I wrestled, obviously. And I was like, that's some bullshit. Like, I'm not doing that. Da, 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 da. And uh, she was like, well, why don't you, you know, just try it out? And, you know, the army has this combative stuff. And so I was angry. That was literally it. I was angry. There was a combative tournament that was posted in the battalion CQ area, right? So I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I saw it. Like, I'm going to do this combatives tournament, blah, 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 blah. I did it. I won. And because I did it for, for SIL at the time, my brigade was aligned with first ID. So I got to go to Riley to do the one at Riley. I won the one at Riley. And I was like, well, F this. I can make some money. And <laughs> um, yeah, so, so that's what I did. I was like, man, I, I just need to fight. So I called a promoter. She was like, you have no fights. So, like, because the Army things don't count as fights. She's like, you have no amateur fights. I can't put you on a pro card. An amateur, you don't get paid for. And I was like, I'm not getting punched in the face for free. 
y'all are crazy. So I found this one fight promoter and was like, yeah, I can get you a fight in Missouri. I'll put you up with this guy. Leo Pla was his name. Still remember it. First fight ever. And I'll put you up with this guy. And he is an American jiu-jitsu practitioner. Now, here's the thing. I was so dumb about the fight world. I didn't know that American jiu-jitsu, it's not a thing. It doesn't even exist. Right? So the whole time I'm training to stand on my feet with this guy. This dude was a kickboxing instructor. Right? So <laughs> he beats me unmercifully for the first two periods. Or two rounds, excuse me. I'm saying periods because I coach wrestling now. Wrestling is periods. I apologize. Anyway, first two rounds, he beats me unmercifully. And then so finally in the third round, I take him down. And he's got nothing. And I break his nose, and his nose is bleeding all over the place. And they call it, yeah. And I lost, a, I lost a decision. What I didn't know at the time is promoters are crooked as all shit. And he had had set me up to lose that fight because he was trying to get another guy that he was working with an easy fight. So they traded losses, yeah, with him with another promoter. And blah 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 blah. This that and the third. Fun fact: the first ever professional belt I won, I beat the guy he was trying to set up. To win, I beat him in the freestyle wrestling cage. So, yeah, like, everything comes full circle. Yeah, so it's just... And then, you know, fighting was my thing. I was just living for fighting after that. So, yeah, that was it. Nice, man. As you were talking about it, it made me think about the movie Bloodsport. And I was just thinking, man, Jason Norwood could have been right there just yeah. on someone's ass just to get the belt. <laughs> I have fought in some Bloodsport. Like, you're looking around and you're like, are you serious? I'll never forget, I fought in Oklahoma and everybody there was it was a closed event. Everybody there was in tuxedos, right? They're all drinking. And, I'm, and I was thinking to myself, this is quite, this is like blood sport. Like y'all paid, they, and they paid top dollar to fight. So of course I'm going to take the fight. And yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this is exactly blood sport. And I also one time fought in an arena and one of the guys who went, it was like two bouts of before me. It was all just trashy people in the audience. And it was an upset. Hometown guy lost. So they threw beer cans in the cage. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Just PBR and Bud yeah, Light everywhere? just PBR and Natty Lights just chucking them. And I was like, oh, oh God. It was, it's nuts. It's nuts. The fight world is a, it's a, it's a different world in and of itself. It's both great and terrible. I love my fighting career. Given the right situations, I probably would go through the regiment to get back to fighting. But it's also a horrible place where people get used and abused and it is as close to human trafficking as I ever want to go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I imagine that you will be able to share a little bit more stories as we get in the questions. How about we jump into question yeah, let's, one? Let's, let's. All right, Jason. So going back to your West Point days, is there a core memory that you can share with our listeners and our classmates that really sticks out with you? My roommate will remain nameless for this story, but... I was never a rich kid when I was at West Point. Like, my parents didn't have much. Right before I left, they bought me a pair of Timberland boots, right? So, of course, leap year, we couldn't even have them out. And so, this is yuck year, first semester. And I, was it yuck year? It was yuck year. Yeah, it was yuck year. But my roommate got drunk. And he gets drunk, and he pisses in my boots. Oh, my my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, I may or may not have caused him some physical damage as a result of him pissing in my boots. Um, he just got up. It was crazy. I was sitting on my desk. And you know how it was for set up. So, you know, the desks are above the, above the beds. And so he gets up. He looks around. He whips out his stuff and pisses right there in 
What in the hell? Where does he think he is? And and so while he's doing it, I was so dumbfounded, I didn't move. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And this is happening. Yeah, this is, is really this happening. This he, is, he, he can't leave the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, no, this is yuckier. This is yuckier. But he should, he, no, either no, way, he should have been drunk. And so, you know what I mean? There's no, well, I don't know. I never went to the first seat club. So honestly, I don't even know. I'll be like, there was no yuck club. But there may have been a place where people did that. I, I don't, anyway, doesn't matter. So he goes back to bed. I look in my boots. There's still urine in them because Timberlands happen to be watertight. I pour them out in the sink. Stupid of me. I know. And then I proceed to beat in his ass. Um, so, but he didn't remember it. He didn't remember it. So he wakes up and he's he's like, oh, this is the next day. This is Saturday. I've already gone to a wrestling practice and come back. Right? And he's like, my face. He's like, what happened to me yesterday? And I didn't want to tell him. I'm like, you peed in my boots, so I beat your ass. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, man, um, you were stumbling around a lot, man. It just was a bad night for you. He's like, yeah, man, I don't remember anything. Thank God. Yeah. He knows now or once he hears this podcast, he'll, he'll know. He'll know once he hears the podcast. If he remembers it, because he got, he got, I mean, from what I heard, he continued to get drunk um, throughout. So he'll be like, it was another weekend. You know what I mean? But anyway, I won't mention it. That is a good story. I think I'll quickly move to question two. Then I always tell people that graduating West Point, you know, is no small achievement. But what's something that you're most proud of? you know, since graduating from the academy? The thing that brings me the most pride every day I wake up are my kids, man. I got medically, you know, discharged and my back is pretty jacked, but I still get up every morning early and, you know, do what I got to do. I still try and work out in the mornings. Um, I still try and I have to because I got kids I got to wrestle. Lord knows if you get fat and try and wrestle a 17-year-old who's 190, you'll be in trouble. I do all that because, you know, I look at my daughters. Now, I'm a dad and I have two girls, right? So that's a special thing in and of itself. But I look at my daughters and I'm like, man, I got to be on point for them. You know what I mean? I got to be on point for them. That's where all my pride lies. I've had the privilege of making some state champions out in the wrestling room. I've, I've had the privilege of sending some kids. I actually uh, coached a kid and sent him to West Point. One of the kids, funny, I was a youth coach at West Point. And the year after we graduated, one of the kids that I was a youth coach for got into West Point. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, I'm proud of all those things. But really, you know, what makes me, brings me the most joy every day is my, is my two daughters. So, No, that's beautiful, man. I, I feel like it was hard for me to imagine, like, some of our classmates you know, would go out and lead soldiers. And then afterwards, they would also start families. But as I'm connecting with people and just, you know, catching up, it's just cool to hear about how everyone has you know, adapted to that new role as a parent, you know, whether the father, mother, however many kids they have. So thanks for sharing, man. Absolutely. Jason, I'll move to question three. And this is a question that can span any time frame. What's something that you wish more people knew about you that maybe they didn't know at West Point, or maybe they don't know about you now that you'd like to share? You know, man, I'm kind of an open book, I guess, because of particularly from fighting, because I had to be, you know, I had, I had to, you know, put myself out there. I don't think a lot of people know the background of poverty I came from because obviously I wasn't going to share that while I was at school, but it was actually one of the disconcerting things about going to West Point was I thought most of the people there were going to be like me, like kids who were looking for a way out, you know, and that wasn't exactly, you well, you know, you were there, <laughs> you know, there, there's plenty of kids <laughs> who go there who are like, could go anywhere, you know, 
I remember getting our, our loan and actually giving some of my money to my parents. So that kind of a thing, like just, it's, it's a little different, you know, it's a little different mm-hmm. coming from that background and, and going there in particular. But I don't know if I, I wish everybody knew that about me, but that's one thing that most people don't know about me. Definitely didn't know at the time because I wasn't going to share it. Yeah. And Jason, I, you know, maybe to that point, like how has that changed you know, the way you progress now through adulthood, you know, after graduating West Point, kind of having that experience. Now you're, you know, we're all responsible adults now, you know, in our army careers, whether we get out or we're still in, like, how has that shape, you know, what you want to do now going forward and like for your family? Well, that and the army together are actually what brought me to the careers that I'm in now, to be, to be honest with you. Like when I first got out, you know, everybody goes through their own, uh, you know, whether it's, I don't, I don't, like to insinuate that everybody has PTSD at all. But what I, I will say is that everybody goes through war is a traumatic event. Everybody goes through their own reconciliation with that trauma. And so between that and the other aspects of my life, the reconciliation for my trauma was going into social work. And for a long time, I worked for CPS and I was a supervisor. Actually, my last job in the army, I was a commandant of the Brazilian campus on Fort Hood. And so for better or for worse, I was a social worker in that job. I think part of the reason I wound up getting medically discharged was because I was in that job for too long. I was, a, you'll, you'll know how ridiculous this is. I was a commandant for four years. That's oh my gosh. insane. Yes, you're right. Insane. But that's because I had overhead protection for the Corps commander that was on Fort Hood. So both Corps commanders loved me and I, they, they told Branch not to move. Me. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. Anyway, so I went from that into social work because I remember what it's like being a part of a, you know, underrepresented, I mean, to a certain extent, still being a part of an underrepresented population and trying to get equity, not necessarily equality, but equity for people, you know, and then I think the way it was explained to me and the way I like to explain it is equality says everybody gets a shoe. Equity says everybody gets a shoe that fits. And so, you know, equality is great, but when you're starting from disparate uh, places, it doesn't mean shit. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if you're starting $50 in a hole and I give you 50 bucks, it don't mean nothing to you. Same thing is that if you have a million dollars and I give you 50 bucks, it still don't mean nothing to you, you know? So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am in life. That's where I am in how I think about things going forward. It's how I deal. I try and deal with people. Um, yeah, probably the most fitting part. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jason. You know, I'll move on to question four, which is something more looking towards the future. So what's something that's currently in the works or, you know, passion project that you're working on that you're excited to share with folks? Okay. So it's going to be a little controversial. So I actually, I'm studying for my LSAT uh, because I wanted to, like, I've been going to West Point and then trying to get a master's in social work. I said, you know what? F both of those. I don't need those degrees. I want to get I want to go back and be a lawyer. Now, one of the reasons I want to be a lawyer is because I'm a pro se litigate on a a measure that is suing Williamson County, the county in which I live, for their maintenance of a Confederate monument outside the county courthouse that was put up by the Klan in 1916 when the Klan swept through Central Texas. When I say the Klan, I mean the Ku Klux Klan. And so it's funny that we also have right next to that a statue of a guy named Dan Moody, the first guy in the United States to ever prosecute a case against the Klan and win. However, what they don't tell you on that statue is they prosecuted a case against the Klan because the Klan beat up a white dude because that white guy either, competing stories, either had a relationship with a black woman 
or as a traveling salesman said something to one of the clan members wives right so dan moody beat up the clan because they messed with a white dude that's also why he won the case because nobody cared about what happened to the black population at that time um 1914 was the time so that's a real passion project for me because i'm a pro se litigate so i am alone fighting two law firms i'm fighting the law firm for the county and i'm fighting the law firm for the quote sons of confederate veterans i joke with you not that's a real organization um that are here in williamson county so yeah it's been interesting it's been a crash course in legal procedure not necessarily law but legal procedure going through the motions with them so we're a year and a half into this lawsuit i have authored several motions i authored a 19 page legal complaint that brings them up on 16 counts um not the least of which being aiding and abetting in a, a, a enemy of the united states so one of my arguments is laid into the 14th Amendment that you cannot be a member of any government agency and have provided aid or comfort to an enemy within. So an enemy within would be the Confederate States of America, which that statue is too. And because we pay regularly, the people in the county actually set the budget that pay for the upkeep and maintenance of that monument. They are aiding and abetting, no matter how factual, because the definition of aiding and abetting when it comes to an enemy, it does not say anything about whether that aid is effectual or not they are aiding and abetting an enemy of the united states so it's an interesting legal argument you know we'll see how it plays out i've of course had tried to have my my thing thrown out on standing my, my complaint thrown out on standing i survived that through 16 motions wow yeah and through 16 motions from at the time three different law firms so yeah and jason i gotta ask like how did you first learn about the background or like the situation behind the monument i mean was it, was it just doing your own research or was it yeah. more of like yeah, yeah, yeah. you heard I, from I, someone else? Yeah. I did. So so let me tell you what happened. I told you a little bit before I had no intention of, of retiring in Texas. Like I, I wanted nothing to do with Texas. All of you West Pointers who are Texans, <laughs> you made me hate this state. Okay. Um, so I don't understand how people can be so proud of being born somewhere. Like I got it. You were born, but it's a big area. Like you had a, a very high chance if you were born in the United States of being born in Texas. It makes up, it's the, it's the second biggest state. Like, what did you expect? Anyway. Um, so when I was here, my first sergeant actually brought me here. He, we started a business together in a jiu-jitsu school. And so he brought me down like he was the deputy commandant of the campus. Um, we rolled together for, I was there for a long time, like I said, so our families got intertwined. It was really crazy. And he was like, hey, I'm buying over this jujitsu school. I want you to come down and help, blah, 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 blah. I did, bought into the business, started teaching defensive tactics. I actually taught defensive tactics to police officers my first job when I got out. And so, you know, that, that rolled together. I was here in Georgetown where the business is and I'd already bought my house and I was taking my daughter for a walk around the downtown square because we hadn't been there yet. And she says to me, Daddy, what's this? And I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God. Well, babe, it's a statue of people that believe that you should be raped, enslaved and in chains. Don't know how to break that to you. But it's the biggest statue here on the square. Like, what the hell? So then I found out that there was an organization, actually not even me, my wife found out there was an organization that was trying to get it moved. So then I got in, in league with them. They're just a bunch of concerned, concerned citizens. And what, what cracked me up about it was there were no black people in the group at the time. And I was like, so why aren't there? Well, that's because the black people who had been in Georgetown for a long time were tired. 
they had been fighting this fight since it got put up in 1914. They, they have stories about their grandparents not being allowed on the square when it was put up. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I was like, man. So then, you know, when I started doing research about it, it just got, it just gets worse. The more you learn, the more you're like, really? There's no, yeah. are you serious? Every time you flip a page, you're like, this is a terrible joke, right? This can't possibly be true. And it all is. So, like, to the extent of it was by the lynching tree that was, that a guy got lynched on in, Sedge was put up in 16, a guy got lynched on in 14. Like, just, just so much stuff. So much stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's, that's kind of how it expanded. And then I was sick of all the lip service of thank you for your service. And I'm like, yes, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black man. If you really care about my service and my desire to defend this nation, you'll take down a statue to an enemy of this nation. Right? Right? Like, that seems so simple. So simple. It, to, to an enemy that caused more casualties than any other enemy has to date, up until, I think it was Nam, all of our enemies had combined. So, hmm. like, y'all will take down a statue, right? Well, it's history. Yeah, you're right. It's historically stupid. Moreover, it actually doesn't even tell the true history, but that's another story altogether. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing, you know, kind of how the curiosity, you know, kind of unraveled. And I feel like it's it's inspiring, though, because you have people like you who are, you know, concerned, but also willing to do something about it. And, you know, like you just said, kind of explain the back history behind, yeah. you know, people that were there beforehand. So appreciate it. Well, Jason, I'm going to switch gears to question five. And this is our grip hands question. It comes from the previous guest. We had Tina Chong last on the podcast, and she asked, if you hadn't gone to West Point, where do you think you'd be now in life? And she speaks about it very broadly. So, like, how do you think you'd be as a person? You know, professionally, how would you end up? So, it's funny. I actually just got done talking about this with one of my wrestlers. So, I applied to the Air Force Academy as well. And I and they, they sent me a letter and said, you're a very strong candidate for our prep school. And so, I think I didn't go to prep. And so, at the time, their SAT score for math, that their mean score, I was 10 points under their mean mm-hmm. score. Because, you know, back then when you did the SAT, you could put the three top schools you wanted and what. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you could see like how they stacked up. USAFA's SAT score in math was higher than West Point's by 20 points. So I was 10 points above West Point's, but 10 points under USAFA's. And I was like, hmm. And so I think I would have gotten into the, the prep school there. And then I would have gone into Air Force Academy. And I probably wouldn't be, I, I might still be serving, honestly. Well, I, I imagine I would because I wouldn't have gone through the things that would did to my body what it did that made me have to get out. So, yeah, you know. You would have just been kicking ass in Colorado Springs. That's pretty much I mean, <laughs> same, same thing. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, you know. I just, and this is not a knock on the Air Force by any means. I have Air Force people in my family. But I imagine I'd be a little bit softer of a person and as much as I'd be, you know, not as, like, pugnacious Maybe, maybe I'd be just as angry. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, it would have been a little different, I think. Yeah, thanks for that answer. Well, Jason, I'm going to hit up uh, the last question. What question do you want to ask the next classmate or next guest on the show? So when you sent me the questions and the question about where would you be if you hadn't gone to West Point, my next question is, were you adamant about going to West Point? This is, this is the reason why. Because remember, we're, we started in 2002, right? I remember when I got my letter of assurance, before I got my letter of acceptance, that was right after 9-11. Like, quite literally three days for me 
So when I got my letter of assurance, my mother cried for a whole day. Wow. So my my question to them is, like, were you 100%? I'm definitely going here? Because everybody that got in could have gone somewhere else, right? Like, what was the deciding factor for you that this has got to be the place? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's my thing. And before we conclude, I'll just ask you, Jason, how would you answer that question? Were you adamant about going to West Point? What was the deciding factor for you? So this is why, one of the reasons I want to ask it. It's weird how I even got there. Remember, I told you I was poor. So my family, we had a, we had this thing. My dad would ask me. and He would say, what three things are going to happen when you're 18? And these were the three things. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get out of your house. I'm going to go to school and realize you're not going to pay for it. Right. That was the three things I had to say. There's a videotape, a VHS tape of me somewhere on like my seventh or eighth birthday saying that like it was that burrowed into my brain. So anyway, the point of this whole thing being that I was in my counselor's office and I pulled the book. My high school counselor was garbage for me. He didn't think I was going to go to college. I don't I think he was a little racist, honestly, but whatever, because I had good grades, obviously, you know what I mean? But yeah, he was like, oh, we're going to try and get a wrestling scholarship. I was like, what, what are you talking about, dude? I, I have an A-plus in, in my two AP classes. What's wrong with you? Anyway, I was in his office. He wasn't showing up. And so I saw the books there on the countertop, and I pulled it, and it said it talked about being paid while you were there. And I was like, holy crap. I pulled the Yusafa book and the, and the Yusma book. And I was like, are you serious? This is where I got to go. Like, this is, <laughs> this is it? You going to pay me to go to school? Holy crap. You know, because I had done and to the, done. Yeah, I talked to the Rutgers coach uh, about wrestling. He was like, "Yeah, we can get you a scholarship. Like, we can probably get your tuition paid. We can get something towards your books. You know, you got to come up with room and board." And I'm like, eh, "I'm not going to pull that off." Um, you know, but when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, I'm all in. This is it for me." Boom. Yeah. So, kind of weird, but this is where we got to go. But here, here you are. Yeah, here yeah. I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Two beautiful daughters later, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So. That is awesome, man. I want to thank you again, Jason, for being on the podcast. It was great to reconnect, but also just to hear about your story, you know, before West Point, after graduation. I mean, one of the lessons I took away is even though you might not get the things that, you know, in life, you know, sometimes it's a beautiful new course of action, right? That's going to blend from it. So, you know, when you're talking about being pulled from the Army wrestling team, I mean, I feel like I would have been devastated if I were in your shoes, but, you know, it's just kind of move on from there and, and on to the next great thing. So thanks again, man. Everything that good that has happened to me, I've been screwed into. To include the house I live in today. I did not want the house I live in today. <laughs> I wanted a house down the street and this was the better house. They sold the house that I had actually put earnest money down. They sold it out from under me. And oh my I gosh. To, I, yep, got screwed. Yet again, got screwed into that position, into that house, which was a better house. But before we end, Jason, I was going to ask, how can you know classmates get in touch with you if, uh, or reach out? Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly... They can call me, you know, you can hit me up by telephone or you can hit me up uh, Rosewood185. Actually, uh, so that's my personal personal email. Yeah, I won't give you my business email because I look at that with contempt. Um, but uh, yeah, Rosewood185 at gmail.com or at Hotmail. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Rosewood185 is how to reach me best. Well, that is great, man. I thank you again, Jason. I'll close the episode with our class motto, never falter, never quit. Thanks, and until next time.
Thanks for listening to O6 Answers. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on O6 Answers are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the United States Army, Department of Defense, or any other agency, organization, company they have or currently work for. Nor does its use imply endorsement of our opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. Any material presented here is for general information purposes only. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at O6 Answers.